in the moment, I could see in your eyes that you were dialed in. You weren't letting the moment take a hold of you. You were taking hold of the moment, even though it was such a big one. How did you go about that mentally? Well, you know, somebody asked me why I kept my stuff on. They're like, why would you keep your stuff on that long? Like, do you feel like you like manifested a runoff into existence? And it was like, no, it's, we're coached to do that. And you reminded me when I got out of the water, like, keep your stuff on. But, you know, I've been at this for four years now, trying to be a pro skier, a legit pro skier. And this was my second full season, I would say. Last year was a weird season because of COVID, but it was my first real pro season. This was my second, but I've spent four years dreaming about being any good at this. And strangely enough, I spent those four years, like I really wanted a, a, a runoff or a head-to-head with Regina. I wanted that for four years because it's one thing to beat everybody in a final round, but I really, for some strange reason, have always wanted it to just be me and her. Ski or die. 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 Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to the Ski or Die podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Montavon. And I'm Stevie Island. And today is a pretty special episode to us, but before we get into that, we need to go over the rules of the show. If you're new around here, um, you should know that we really don't want to run sponsorships on this show, which means we need your help to grow the Ski or Die community. So what we need you to do is today, if this episode, you know, you learn anything, it inspires you, um, we need you to share it with somebody else that you think might like it. That's all we ask is for you to pay it forward and help us grow Ski or Die. Um, but that being said, I'm really going to let Stevie run the show today. He did such a great job at Miami Pro on the mic. I'm so glad he hopped on the mic with Tony. Um, and I'm pretty good at dominating this show and really not giving Stevie enough time on the mic. So I'm going to let Stevie actually run this episode today. And I will speak when spoken to. all right fair enough so i think it's important for us to start at massacraft pro because that was the week before miami pro um and if we start there we can kind of start to shape the story of how you know you were looking mentally and physically going into miami pro Uh, i think that's important for people to understand so starting at massacraft pro we had a long season, especially you. You did more events than I did. It was a very long season. A lot of events, a lot of even just record tournaments locally in between the pro events. So we weren't necessarily traveling every weekend, but we had back-to-back-to-back-to-back tournament weekends where we were competing, at least for scores, a lot throughout the season. We did not have many weekends off. So going into Mastercraft Pro, from my understanding, you were feeling pretty burnt out. You know, Mastercraft, I I was excited for Mastercraft. Um, I do like that lake, and I do like an event where we get to ski behind a Mastercraft. Um, I felt like I'd been skiing pretty good in practice, so I was looking forward to it. That being said, I was a little bit tired. There kind of comes a point, in, in my opinion, in the year when you're, okay, you're ready to work on new things in your technique. Um, and I think the word reinvent yourself might be a little bit extreme, but you really want to kind of upset the apple cart and and change what you're doing. Because if you want to get different results, you've really got to change a lot. And that's not something that can happen in the five days before a pro event. But that's something we've talked about on this podcast before, is not being too stagnant, not being too afraid of change, even in the face of a big tournament or somewhere where you have to perform. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I I hear you there. And I I am very willing to change um, on a dime. 
but I was kind of ready to dig into the off season before Mastercraft Pro, as opposed to gearing up for another pro event. I think even though there were two left, yeah, yeah, there two were pro two events left. left coming up, and you were already kind of looking towards the off season. Absolutely, and I think that. The, the general energy at Mastercraft Pro was everybody was still tired from Worlds. Everybody put a lot into getting ready for Worlds. They put a lot in on the day. Um, and I think everybody was just mentally, emotionally, and physically still tired from that, believe it or not. Um, and if you had just told me that that was how everybody felt, I wouldn't have understood. But as somebody who has skied in Worlds and I watched everybody, you know, at Worlds, it, it's true, you know, even if you only ski one round. Um, it's a draining experience emotionally. So um, going into Mastercraft, while I had been skiing good in practice, I was tired. I was just really tired. And then the weather happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, for those of you who didn't watch the stream or who weren't there, uh, it was 20 miles an hour straight down the lake pretty much the entire weekend, uh, pretty brutal conditions. Um, you know, you take us through your first round and, and what happened there. And, so I, I did get a practice the day before, I want to say that. Um, it was raining and there happened to be a window where it stopped raining for 30 minutes and I think three or four people got practice and I was one of them. Um, and I went out at 28 off, so I got my four passes. I ran a 38 tail. It wasn't pretty, but like I got it done and I was like, okay, you know. I drove up to Orlando very early that morning, got my practice. I was really stressed that I wasn't going to get it considering the rain and the wind. Um, but I got my practice in and then, you know, skipped to the next day in that first round. I mean, it just went terribly. I felt weird off the bat. I, I didn't feel great in practice. And the more I skied at that event, the more weird my rhythm got. I mean, it didn't feel like my ski. I was checking my numbers like a psychopath. It did nothing felt normal um, to the point where if I was going to so much as change my letter and number, like to my advantage, I wouldn't know what to change it to because the B3 that I was at, B3 didn't feel like B3. So if B3 isn't B3, then where do you go from there? Mm -hmm. um, on top of all the wind mm -hmm. and the cold, because we had a cold front. So it, it was like everything that could go wrong for me kind of did. And so I fell at 32 off in the first round. Um, and I didn't know that there was enough scratches that the whole group of women's was going to make the cut regardless. There was nobody to cut. So I thought I was getting cut. And so obviously I was devastated. Yeah, but then you eventually did realize that you were going to be skiing the next day, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's tough mentally to think that you're done. Now is all of a sudden you have to ski again the next day. You kind of have to pick yourself up and, and you know, have short memory and can get past that round, right? Going into the next day, did you change anything? Did you make any adjustments? Um, no, because I didn't really get to ski a full round in the prelim because I fell at 32. And that was so shocking to me because I, I still can't explain really what happened. Um, like I said, I, if I was going to make a change, I wouldn't know what to change to because nothing felt like my bearings were not there. Um, and I was so, I, I, I came into this event already so tired and then thinking that I missed a cut because of a stupid fall at 32 that I cannot even begin to explain. I was, it was even more emotionally draining. So, I mean, I was just exhausted mm -hmm. by the next day. I mean, I just was like, I don't know what to do except try, just try. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you were thinking about not even skiing, if, if I recall correctly. Yeah, I mean, because I, I was like, it doesn't feel like skiing. Like, I've gotten much better this year about you can take me to any site in the world and, you know, any of the, the, the pro boats and give me one of the drivers we're going to get and it'll feel pretty similar and then we tweak things from there. This felt like nothing I'd ever experienced before. And I like a Mastercraft and I like... Um, um, Chris Eller behind the wheel, you know, and I, I like my ski like I so I, I still can't explain it to this day But I was like should I just drive home and like and actually ski at home and get better because clearly whatever I'm doing is not working That's the thought that we have especially for me like I have that thought a lot too mm -hmm. when I'm swimming early I'm thinking I just put all this effort in and that's the result I get Clearly what I'm doing isn't working. It's hard to 
trust the process enough to swim early and think about long term and have the patience to understand that you are doing the correct thing. It's so easy to self-doubt in your training when you don't get the specific result you want in tournament. So all the more impressive that you had a tough Mastercraft Pro but were able to bounce back. So anyways, you missed the final in Mastercraft Pro. Yeah, I, so the next morning I was first off the dock because I got last in the first round. Um, it was a 32 start and they needed, because they did not ski all the men the day before because of weather, um, they had more skiing they needed to do the next day. So I was first off the dock, we started early, like before eight, it was supposed to be an 8 a.m. start, but they, they needed to get going. Um, it was still pretty dark out. Um, on the webcast, they changed, they tweaked the brightness so it looked like daylight, it was not daylight. So Chris told me he couldn't see the buoys driving, I couldn't see the buoys skiing. It was a 32 start, it was cold because of the cold front, and I, the last time I had skied, I hadn't run 32 off. So I was just like, shit. Like, and um, I ran 4 at 38, um, which considering what I had just like put myself through, that was fine. Unfortunately, there was a handful of girls who tied for the last spot in the finals with four at 38, and I had the lowest backup score from the previous round, so I was not in the cards at all for the finals, which was, you know, disappointing, but um, hey, I mean, that's just how it goes sometimes. Yeah, no, that's how it goes, and you know, going forward from that event, I remember you coming home, and we had Miami the next weekend, and then, Oh no, I, I take it back. There was a weekend in between, if you remember. Oh, we had the good memorial yeah. tournament at Chet Rayleigh's in Boca Raton, Florida. And so that was another back-to-back-to-back tournament weekend situation coming off of Worlds. And if I remember correctly, you know, we both skied pretty well at Chet's. It was windy, but it was, you know, fun community event that we did. Mm-hmm. But we still had our eyes kind of set on Miami. Like we weren't too worried about that tournament, but we were really trying to, uh, you know, bring focus to the next and final pro event of the year. Um, and then we get invited to the Good Test Day, the day after the Good Memorial Tournament, Monday and Tuesday before Miami Pro. Well, and the reason that that timing, we did not know about the Good Test Days um, until Sunday afternoon of mm-hmm. the tournament. So we're like, tomorrow, can you come test skis? And for me personally, the timing could not have been better because um, I skied okay in, in the tournament, the Dave Good tournament. Um, I ran some 38s. Um, the only 38 I didn't run was an opt-up 38 because I was trying to play the wind. It was We had a lot of wind that weekend and we had a cold front for Saturday. Um, so once again, some just weird weather. Um, and I ran all my 38s. That you was did. the first time <laughs> <laughs> the tournament I ran all my stupid 38s. Um, <laughs> But I didn't have a lot of 39 success, and I figured it out in the last, the third round, forgive me. Um, something happened to my ski in the back. The, the top layer had wrinkled. Mm-hmm. So when I was turning in on my gates, the wrinkles were catching the water, and it was kind of like, tri- it, it's kind of like if you trip over something in your house. It's just, it's a weird trip, and you don't expect that. And the ski is not broken. The core is not broken. Um, and it's, it has nothing to do with anything good did. I don't know what I did to cause that wrinkle. I've been trying, like, I've been racking my brain trying to figure out where do I, when I store my ski, when I, when I go about my day-to-day life, what did I do to cause this wrinkle? I've yet to figure it out because it's never been seen before. But it skied like the ski was broken. So that's another thing that you can doubt in this whole process. And not only can you doubt your training regimen, and that process, but you can start doubting your equipment. Yeah. If things like that start to go wrong. And then, you know, I feel like we're decently knowledgeable regarding skiing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it stumped us both. It stumped Martin, who builds the skis. It kind of stumped Chet. Yeah, nobody knew what caused these wrinkles. And they're identical on both sides of the ski. So when uh, Carly, the GM of Good, said, hey, we're having some testing days on Monday and Tuesday... For me, I was like, okay, perfect. Maybe I can find a ski to ride for Miami because mm-hmm. if we didn't have Miami coming up, it, you know, would have been a totally different conversation. It's time to test skis after Miami anyway. But we had one more pro event, and I didn't want to bail on it because the Miami people—it's kind of like our home group in a way. I wanted to support them, um, but I was like, I don't think I should take my ski. 
because I don't know what this wrinkle is going to do. You know, I don't know what, I don't have faith in it. So we went and tested skis. Yeah, so we were testing skis, we were giving feedback to good, but you were also kind of searching for your own ski that you were potentially going to swipe from Martin's collection that he had brought. <laughs> and it went well, and you did choose a ski, um, a, a cool ski that had kind of like a cut tail. We can't really go into specifics, but, you know, something different than you, what you usually ride, and it worked well for you in practice at uh, Hope where we were testing the skis. And then you go into practice. Well, first I think you should speak to like what you th- the experience was like skiing with, you know, we got to ski with Brian Dutrick, Dane Meckler, Jeannie Nabonaman, um, Dorian Llewellyn. The Veeks. Um, yeah, Noah and Vanessa Veek, you and me. Um, it was Martin, the coolest Coleman, thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, Thomas DeGasperi. Yeah, DeGas, uh, you know, of course. Um, you know, having dinner with everybody and spending a couple days skiing and everybody's taking their boots off one ski and putting it on another ski. I mean, you probably should speak to that experience because that's, that's cool. Well, yeah, I mean, it was the coolest thing ever. You know, as a kid who grew up idolizing the pros, including Seagas, when I was a kid, it was to be able to ski with those guys, talk skiing, get down to the nitty gritty, you know, and this is all to try and benefit good as a brand that we all, you know, rallied behind. It was really an amazing experience. Uh, I was just so happy to just be there. You know what I mean? I learned so much and everyone was super supportive and of each other and and it was such a positive couple of days. Yeah, I mean, we learned so much just by hearing them speak on their experiences mm-hmm. and, and how they approach their skiing and their training and their tuning. I mean, it was just... It's just a lot of talent and, and a lot of intellect and, and to bring it all together was just really, it was fun. And I mean, if you're a skier, like if you really just love skiing, that was just the best way to spend two days. Of course. Yeah. No, I learned a ton and it was a bit windy at Ho, but you yeah. know, everyone, they're all pros. They're, they don't care. You know, they'll still go rep 39s up and down the lake. It's pretty wild. But um, yeah, no, coming off of that test day or test days. You brought that ski to practice, didn't like it. You started to feel shaky. You started to get really down on yourself, I remember, because I live with you. <laughs> and you started to say, I don't know if I want to ski Miami. Because you were just came off this horrible performance at Mastercraft, horrible in your eyes. Mm-hmm. And now you're like, I don't have a ski. There's another event coming up. I'm going to totally bomb it. You know, we went you to Chet's to... house and picked up another ski. Yeah, I know. So there was just like a big tizzy, and you had to decide whether you're going to ski or not. I was going to ski it regardless, but I said, remember, I was like, you don't have to ski it. No one's forcing you to. No one's got a gun up to your head, but I think you should because it's local. You know, it's only an hour or so away. We might as well just go and ski it. You know, support Greater Miami Ski Club. We have peeps down there that we love, like Nancy and and Charlotte Melchers was gonna be chief judge. George Levine was gonna be there. I mean, it was just gonna be kind of like this local scene. I mean, all the bo- we knew all the judges. You know, it was like it's cool. Mm-hmm. It's part of our community here in South Florida. And so we did end up going, but you were shaky. You were like, maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. Well, um, from Monday to Friday, I probably rode like three or four or five different skis, and. While there was like attributes about each ski that I tried that I liked, it was like, I don't have enough time to dial this in and nothing feels like my ski. Like I did there was nothing I didn't like about my ski other than I was worried about this wrinkle on the top in the back, right? right. I didn't want to change skis yet. I just, you know. But when you don't have faith in your equipment, it's so difficult to compete at that level. Yeah. And, you know, in hindsight, getting to try all of the good lineup again for fun was really insightful for me because while I have skied on all the skis before, to ski on all of them in two days, it's like really getting to compare them. And now I can speak to them more intelligently when people ask me for advice on what shape is best for them. So that was valuable in itself. But um, a ski where I felt like I could, you know, run 38 consistently on and get deep 39, um, I just didn't feel like I had enough time with any of the skis to get ready. And so um, on Friday, I took two sets. I had, a, I had an hour to ski before I had my first meeting for work. And so I was like, Dad, you know, here's all the skis I have. We have one hour. We need to figure one out. We need to figure something out. And by the end of the hour, I did not like any of the skis, any of the numbers I tried. Like I, you know, 
when you got so many shots and there's so many combinations, when you think about all the fin settings you can put on each shape of a ski and all the boot placements, I couldn't find a combination I liked. And I called my mom on my way home from the lake and I was just like, mom, I don't know what to do. Like, I was like, I don't know, I don't know what to do. I don't, these are all great skis, but I don't have it dialed in yet. You know, like, I, I don't know what to take. I said, I want to take my ski, but if that wrinkle catches on the gate and I fall on a gate, I'm going to be just as mad at myself for taking the ski. And I was like, I don't know. I don't think I should go to this tournament. Like, I don't have a ski that I feel confident in because I ran out of time. But <laughs> you ended up going. Well, I, you know, I defaulted to, okay, if, if, if somebody else was in the situation and they called me and said, what do I do? I would say, okay, you're going to need to put your boots, put your shit back on your ski. You know the wrinkle might catch. You're going to have to shove your ski under you on the gate so it doesn't catch and you can keep your feet underneath you and just take what you know. It's, it's rolly down there as it is, so you're not going to be skiing for like fantastic rhythm. You're going to be skiing to survive rollers anyway because that's Miami. Um, and so that was my plan. I threw my boots and my fin on my ski that I hadn't ridden all week. I hadn't ridden it since the tournament before. And I was like, not a lot of, not, no high expectations. I'm just, I'm going to support the event because I think it's cool that Miami had the event. And this year's not going to go my way because I was not dialed in. But next year, you know, if, if enough people ski these, they tend to have them again. So I was like, I'm going to support the event so we can have it again next year. And maybe in a year, I'll be dialed in. Sometimes you got to do it that way. I mean, how do you think I feel? I kind of felt the same way, you know, about this whole season, really. It's like, I'm just going to try and get some experience here. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but we go to the event and it's a Saturday, Sunday tournament. So we have our first round you have your first two rounds on Saturday. Correct. I skied very horribly um, for my standards for myself. I did not ski well at all. Um, first round. But you skied really well. You ran three at 39? Uh, no, I ran two. Ah, my bad. That's I'm right. getting ahead of myself. Yeah, yeah. No, I ran two. I was just inside a three ball. You were inside a three ball. Okay. Yeah. And so you're happy. You knew you were going to have a final spot. Um, yeah, I mean, so it was rolly. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you, how you want to articulate what the conditions were like to people. Yeah, yeah, okay. So we can get into the conditions of the site. So the site is is a really cool site. Mm -hmm. It's down in the warehouse district of Miami. They had dug these 30-foot canals to build the airport and some roads and infrastructure and whatnot way back. I forget what, the 60s? 60s or... Early 70s? Yeah. Anyways... Um, been there for a while, mm -hmm. um, and it's called the Greater Miami Ski Club. And a hurricane came and kind of wrecked the shorelines, and they never rebuilt it. So it's got really thick trees and and a thick uh, or a steep shoreline mm -hmm. on either side, and so it's very rolly. When we did a record tournament there earlier this year, we were spending you know ninety seconds at each end as a wait time, which mm -hmm. is, if you don't know, more than normal about you know, 50% more than normal. Mm -hmm. um, this time it was 65 seconds mm -hmm. versus the 90 that we probably should have had, but because of time, time constraints, they had to hurry it up a bit. So it's rolly and sometimes the wind was coming up, but it was really just a rolly roller issue. I mean, the water's moving a lot and it's also 30 feet deep versus that's much deeper than normal for a ski lake. So what happens to the ski is it sits kind of deep in the water. So it's easy to kind of get stuck, mm -hmm. if you know what I mean. And because it's deeper in the water, I mean, the rollers can affect it pretty easily as well. So the rollers are kind of accented and the, the ski can get stuck underneath you and it's hard to bring it through to get in between you and the boat to go the other way. Mm -hmm. uh, so the transitions at each ball are, are difficult. Yeah, I mean... You know, I've skied Moomba, and I would say that comparing the rollers, Miami was around what Moomba was in terms of rollers. Now, Moomba, you have a current, and you have the crowd, and there's a, there's it's totally different in that regard. Um, but in terms of the rollers, um, it felt like a flashback, because I haven't skied at Moomba since COVID happened, of course. Nobody has. Um, and so, but I knew that. I knew that going into it, and I knew it was going to be a game of 
survive the rollers. But for my first round, you know, I had um, uh, Jeff Kepsha drove women's slalom. He's a, um, a pro-level boat driver from Okahili, so somebody I know. And we had Becky Lathrop's boat, which we knew was going to be great. But I hadn't skied on my ski in a week, and I'm going into rollers and a deep lake, like you said. So it's not going to feel like home regardless. <laughs> yeah, but I think you, you, you approached it really well. You had kind of a warrior's mentality of it all. You know, regardless of what's happening, these are the skills I'm going to execute on because I know that's, that's going to be, give me the best shot at doing well. And that's going to reinforce really good habits for me. And, you know, if you're able to execute on those keys in all this adversity during a pro event, you know, practice is going to be a cinch going forward and it's just going to be a huge benefit to you as a skier, mentally and physically. Yeah, I mean, when Jeff when Jeff pulled up in the in the boat and it was my turn to go, I don't think the camera picked up on any of it, but I, I said to Jeff, I was like, hey, Jeff, like, I haven't skied on this ski in a week, um, and for lack of a better term, like, the ski is broken. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, but I was like, we're going to have to take this pass by pass. And he was like, okay, like, let's do it. And Jeff's just a really, Jeff's a really smart, and he's, he's really humble kind of guy. So he's a really great boat driver, but he would never, his ego doesn't come through. So at the end, after my first pass, he's like, hey, how does it feel for you? Like, you know, do you like my driving today? And I'm like, you know, it feels good. And like, how does it feel on the wheel? Does it feel kind of rhythmic or like not? I don't know if this wrinkle is catching. Like, you know, so we were, we got to talk a lot at the ends. And um, that was just great for me because I, I know if it feels okay on the wheel, it's probably okay, even though it's rolly, it's sitting deep you know, you're nervous, I haven't skied well all week. Um, and so like, I was just really grateful to have somebody like him in the boat because I got to talk to him and we did it, we did it pass by pass. It was like 28, that was pretty good. 32 was pretty good, you know, um, 35, 38. And then I even got a decent start at 39. I should have got outside that three ball. Um, and, and yeah, that was like me like, okay, I have a foundation kind of back after just the worst week. <laughs> yeah so your first round of the prelim went well your second round didn't go as well didn't go as planned you kind of fell at 38 and it was kind of a bummer that you hit five ball yeah um i think everybody got four at 38 except for regina um so i had my two at 39 and then my backup score was a four which they weren't using backup scores we came to find out we didn't understand the format of the tournament which is irrelevant now anyway but um so you made the final you yes. knew that going to the second day. I had my first round, didn't go. It went better than this, my first round, my second round, excuse me, mm -hmm. for, uh, second round, which was the second day of the tournament. Um, you know, I didn't get to the final or anything, but I was at least happy to take down an 11 meter pass. And then I hopped on the mic with Tony afterwards, knowing that I was out of the competition. I was done skiing for the day. Um, and this was before, you know, we were finishing up the, the men's second round of the prelims before the women's final started around 1 p.m. or so. Mm -hmm. And so I was on the mic, and all of a sudden I start getting texts. I'm like, on the mic with Tony, so I can't really look at them, but I have my Apple Watch on, and I'm getting texts, and I'm like, what the hell? Is Elizabeth like, ding, 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 ding? Like, she's like hitting me up. And it's something about her fin or whatever. I'm like, oh, she'll figure it out, whatever. Because you know, you're a pro athlete, you, you understand the fin, you can set it up yourself, like I don't have to worry about it, you know? Um, then all of a sudden you show up in front of me. <laughs> And I'm like in the middle of announcing the tournament and I'm like, okay, Tony, I gotta, I gotta see what's going on. Clearly this is some sort of emergency. And Elizabeth is like, every time I adjust it, one thing, one little notch, it goes 20,000 out and I don't know how what I'm doing. Like, you need to help me, help me. So like, okay. It was like so, before the final starts, like we're like probably 25 minutes away from the year's final starting. So in, in the prelim, the first round, um, I felt great. I ran my almost three at 39. It was just inside, you know, they're trying to call it. My fin had slipped. I picked up like six thousandths of tip. So just instinctually before the second round, I adjusted it back to my numbers. I took that the six thousandths out. I didn't like how I skied in that round. So I was like, shit, like it slipped to something I like. And I usually don't like a lot of tip. Like adding tip is never a go-to move for Elizabeth. So... I was like, well, maybe because the ski is sitting deeper, because the lake is deeper, I can get away with a little additional tip. So I should have left it. So I, you know, I called Chet and I was like, hey, this is my plan. I'm gonna add the tip back in. You liked how I looked in the first round. I liked how I felt in the first round. Jeff liked how it felt on the wheel in the first round. I know we never run this much tip. 
I think this is the right thing to do for the final. And he was like, if you're committed to it, that makes sense to me. Let's do it. So I was trying to add this six thousandths tip back in, which is such an easy thing for me to do. Setting up skis is a piece of cake for me. And every time I would get a number right, the other ones would move 20, 30, and 40 thousandths at a time. Like it wasn't moving one to two. It was like moving 30 thousandths in any direction. And I was like, I have to ski the finals. I have to ski the finals and I can't set up my ski. I can't even get it within a one thousandth of any of my numbers, just any of them. I would have taken anything close to my numbers. So I was like, Stevie, I need to fix it. I don't, know, I don't know why I can't do this right now, but I can't do it. Yeah, so I fixed it in like two minutes. It was like, whatever. It was longer than two minutes. No, okay? it wasn't. Yeah, it was. <laughs> whatever. I set your fin up, went back onto the mic, finished up the prelims, and then we get to the finals. Your ski is set up because your boyfriend's amazing and <laughs> saved the day. And, you know, uh, the final starts going on, and I forget what the best score was, but you had it at some point. I mean, you ran three at 39, which is a great score, and I think you took the lead with that, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Sam had a two, mm -hmm. um, which was Chelsea great. Chelsea also had a two. Chelsea right. skied after me. Okay. I was fourth seed, so Sam was fifth seed, so Sam ran two, um, and I was like, okay, I got out of two ball once already here. I need to get outside three ball. Three is a big score at Miami. Three could throw some people because you have to turn three well. So three was my strategy going right into it. Um, and, you know, my, I mean, my mindset was just very much like I'm going to – I know what my keys are going to be. I think I said them, like, over and over to myself on the dock, like, probably out loud. I probably looked like an insane person, like schizophrenic. But I just kept saying them over and over again because I'm like, this is what I have to do. It's going to be rolly. Do not fall down and do not back down. If you get in deep, hold whatever you get, because it, it, it will come up. The ski will come up out of the water, even though it sits deep. And so I was like, okay, just execute on your cues. Just execute on your cues. Get the gate dialed in, you know? And I kept going over my cues in my head, and um, I, got, I got my three. Like, that's the first time all season where the score, I was like, this, go run this. And I actually did it. And it was just like, oh, finally. Literally, the last round, so, so I thought of the last tournament, of the season, finally you got your shit together. <laughs> yeah, no, you skied fantastically. This is like the best skiing I've ever seen from you in a tournament, in my opinion. Like it, And the ski was working really well. That magic fin slip really was it was pretty great. Oh, it was mwah. Yeah, I couldn't believe how, <laughs> how great that, that panned out. Because you're right, I mean, adding 6,000 tip, no one's gonna do that before a pro event, no matter how different the conditions are, I mean, that's insane. So the fact that that worked out was great. Mm -hmm. Have you kept the 6,000s? Yeah. You have. Because whenever we've added tip, we only add one or two. And Chet was like, well, you know, there are there, there are gaps where, like, it will not work for some people. But if you surpass it, it actually can get good. And he goes, so maybe anything between 01 and 07 is not good for you. But 01 or less and 07 and more works for you. And he goes, we just never pushed it that far because you, you never look good when you have a lot of tip. That reminds me of when he made me move my D3's fin up, move it like actually up 100 thousandths. 100? Yeah. <laughs> That's such a... Which is just insane. But anyways, uh, so in the final, you ran a three. Ran and three. what did I say to you when you came out of the water? You said, keep your stuff on. <laughs> yeah. You said, keep your stuff on and keep your ski close. And yeah. That's, I mean, that's what Chet is coached us to, is, you know, keep your ski on and keep your, keep your ski, keep your ski close and keep your stuff on. Yeah, because very easily, they only run off for first. Yep. So I knew it wasn't a huge chance because Regina had been skiing so well. Mm -hmm. But I said, if she gets a, a gnarly one, she's just going to stand up at three. Yep. Like, if she doesn't get the one she wants, she's not going to attack at three. She's just going to take the runoff because she's going to like her chances. Right. So... That's exactly what happened. She didn't have the perfect one she wanted. She had a little loose line and she just got three. She stood up at three, super easy ass turn in. So then we're like looking at each other like, oh shit. I know. Runoff time. And we're like, all right, let's go. <laughs> and so, you know, they were, it's super intense. There's all these people scuttling around trying to figure out all the rules and all that crap. Charlotte comes down and does the draw. You end up having to go out first. This is against Regina Jaquist, someone you've looked up to. Uh, you ride the same ski as her, ski brand, good, and... We have the same coach. Have this, yeah, Chet Rayleigh is your coach, and, you know, this, you've dreamed of this moment. 
where all of a sudden, you know, you're, you have a guaranteed second, but you could win against the best, the very best, the, the you know, verified goat of, this, of female slalom skiing, Regina Jacobus. Well, you know, I know in the moment I could see in your eyes that you were dialed in. You weren't letting the moment take a hold of you. You were taking hold of the moment, even though it was such a big one. How did you go about that mentally? Well, you know, somebody asked me why I kept my stuff on. They're like, why would you keep your stuff on that long? Like, do you feel like you, like, manifested a runoff into existence? And it was like, no, it's we're coached to do that. And you reminded me when I got out of the water, like, keep your stuff on. But, you know, I've been at this for four years now, trying to be a pro skier, a legit pro skier. And this was my second full season, I would say. Last year was a weird season because of COVID, but it was my first real pro season. This was my second, but I've spent four years dreaming about being any good at this. And strangely enough, I spent those four years, like I really wanted a, a, a runoff or a head to head with Regina. I wanted that for four years because it's one thing to beat everybody in a final round, but I really, for some strange reason, have always wanted it to just be me and her. Just, just the two of us, let's go at it and let's see where things fall. And if I lose, I'll wait till the next one where we can tie and we can have it out or we can you know, make it to a head-to-head -head bracket where we're the last two. That is just something I've always um, visualized was her versus me. And I didn't think I was ready for it now. I, I figured that was a, another four years down the road kind of a thing. So when they said it was me and, and Regina in a runoff. I mean, in, in a weird way, mentally I've been preparing for that exact outcome for four years, men you know, mentally in my head. And so I was like, yeah, okay, this is what every pro skier dreams of. This is game on. You don't want a runoff against anybody. You want to run off against the GOAT. This is anybody here, this is what they would want to do. So instead of being like, I, I've never run 38 off the dock, I've never beat Regina before, like none of that really came to me because in my head I was like, you are exactly where you want to be. This is what we all crave, this fight that's about to go down right now. And so I was like, yeah, this is it. Like this is you versus her and you're going to have to you're gonna have to fight with every ounce of your being because she is she is Regina. I think you're wrong. I don't think people crave that. <laughs> okay, well I do. Because that's a lot of pressure. You know, it's one v one, and all our eyes are on you both. And it's not this underdog story of you put a big score up and then people couldn't meet it. It's like no eyes are on you two, and it's just you have to go at it. I don't think people crave that. I think people would rather win the easy way. Okay, well, I crave that. I, I, I really wanted, I didn't think the first time I beat Regina would be this framework, because what are the chances we're going to tie? You know what I mean? She, she runs 30, she ran two beautiful 39s in the event prior to tying me. But I just knew I, I really wanted that. I mean, it's very much like, it, it was very much ski or die. It was, you either survive this or you don't, and you have to think about that for a whole off season. <laughs> Yeah, no, and you seize the moment very well. It's impressive. So you get in the water. Um, you and I, you know, we have this thing where we kind of chat on the dock every time before you ski. So it was just like we try to make it like any other time where I walk you through your cues and you walk in through with me and we decide, you know, this is what you're working on. You do the same thing for me when I ski. Mm -hmm. You get in the water. It's just you and Jeff out there. And it's 38 cold off the dock. And... You're coming into five ball. You come out of five ball like a lunatic, even though you had a beautiful 38 up until that point. For some reason, you have to give us all a heart attack. You fall all the way to six. You took a little bit of a hit out of six. Okay, so maybe you were saying in your head, are you focused on the 39? Or are you thinking about the 38 that you just ran and how, how it got a little sketchy at the end? What's, what, how was the transition of thought there at the end? Well, you know, um, some people might be conscious of um, the, the concept of the state of flow where you're, you're you're only present and things feel kind of like there's an ease to it um, that's like 
literally the most brief and inaccurate summary I can give of flow, but it's where you're not thinking about the future or the past, right? And so, you know, Jeff pulls up in the boat and he looks at me and he's like, oh my God, you first round, you were like, I don't even know what I'm doing here. And now we're here. And I'm like, yeah, I know, dude. And I was like, I've never run 38 off the dock before. And he's like, okay, let's go figure it out. Just like he said to me, you know, in the first prelim round, which is really cool. And because it was so rolly, I knew that the wait time, he, he did his down and back to rough it up, which is hilarious. <laughs> um, but I knew that the, the timer wasn't gonna go as fast because they were giving us a little more wait time than the average tournament. So I, I got in the water and I was like, okay, this is a 38, but you can't think about it as a 38 cold. So I was like, okay, you know, when I ski at Okahili, I usually ski on the main lake. I like the main lake. I started 28, so 28 down, 32 back to the dock, 35 down to the far end. So I was like, you need to, what is what is the mood like? What is the mental state when you've just run 35 at Okahili, it's dad in the boat, it's an early morning, and you're about to ski a 38. Like you need to get into that mindset. You can't, it can't be your opener mindset where you're on autopilot. So I was like, okay, get there. And, I, and that's what I did, I was like, okay, you know, get in the water, you just ran 35, you just ran 35. And I kept saying this, but you just ran 35. And it's funny, because even though like in my head, I had, I felt like I had a decent mindset, the load and speed of a 38 off the dock, so fucking fast. It's so fast, <laughs> yeah, I've so done it before heavy. only in practice, and it's fast as hell. Because when you, when you run down the line, it, it onboards you into increasing load and speed, and when you're off the dock, you're like, holy shit. So, my game was pretty good. One was good, but I was like, "You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to stay on your toes here," and I was so in the in the moment. Like I was like, "Okay, you made it around one ball. Make it out of two. Okay, make it out of three. Like I wasn't even thinking about what am I gonna do at 39. You know, what can I put up that Regina's gonna have to chase? Like I was like, "Don't embarrass yourself. If you're gonna lose to Regina, don't lose by a lot. You know, run a 38." And it was very much like, "Get out of four ball. Okay, get out of five ball." Which well, she didn't do very well. <laughs> I got in so deep. I what I wanted was well, I didn't want to. You skied over the rope a bit, almost. Oh shit! Don't even tell me that. Yeah, no, your ski came up and it was about to ski over the rope, and you put it just down in time. <laughs> and you're like, let's run it as close as possible to failure. <laughs> but you did it. It's hard. I got to the end and I jumped in the water and I was like, oh, I looked at the boat and the crew and I'm like, you guys, that's fucking hard, man. Like, <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> and Connor, Connor was the camera guy. We love Connor. And Connor goes, <laughs> he goes, that was impressive. Now impress me more. And I'm like, God damn it, Connor. Like, dude, this shit is already so hard. <laughs> that's the most Connor Polly thing to say. I know. But, um... It was awesome. It really lightened the mood. And then going into 39, you got one and a half. So 39, that was the first time in the weekend I'd taken 39 from that end. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, the gate is harder to dial in from that end. I don't know if it's the, the depth of the lake is different at each end, but the speed on the gate is a little different. So I didn't really have a lot of experience with the gate from that end. And um, I didn't really get the best one ball but I came off the line really early into two and really rose up over the ski. And I mean, it was a terrible two ball. You know, Chet thinks I could have gotten out of it and I just didn't have like the skills to act fast enough, um, which is like true. There's experience you get from these things and I am actively trying to get better. Yeah, um, I mean, I think you just skied a little straight to the buoy mm -hmm. and that makes it fast and narrow and the ski is already going to get stuck underneath you because of the deep water mm -hmm. and I think you were just your hips got lost and it was like there's no way you're getting out at that point yeah you would have had to do better off of the second wake in order to set yourself up for getting out of two ball totally but it was a good enough one it was just because you kind of lost your edge off the second wake into two ball it was pretty much done mm -hmm. just because of that line length and at that roll of a lake and that deep of a lake that's how it's gonna be written if you don't do it properly. Right. Um, but one and a half, still a good score off the dock cold. Thanks. I mean, damn <laughs> impressive. So I run down, I just saw you do that on the live screen. I put it on my phone and run down, and start running down so I can pick you up because I didn't know if the golf cart guy was still active. <laughs> but he was, he picked you up. So. But tell the story about how you watched Regina because she was gonna come in next. So I, the shoreline, if you if, if if you could see it on the webcast, the trees are in the water. So it goes tree line, then shoreline. 
So I'm swimming through the trees and then I get up on the shore and then there's warehouses. So you can't watch from the shore because there's a tree line. But I'm like, I need to see what she does because if we tie again, we go out again. And didn't think she was going to tie me, but I just wanted to know, you know, um, because I wasn't going to be able to make it down back to the main dock in time to see what happened because I fell at the far, far end. So I did my little pirate move. I hung on a tree off to the side like a pirate off of a mast of a ship trying to see what was going on. And from my vantage point, I could see one ball and I could see two ball because all she needed to get was a full two. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to watch her beat me and then I'm going to walk back down and it'll be okay. Second is great. I haven't, you know, podiumed all season. Um, so I'll take a second. And I was hanging on my tree and she ran one, a really weird one. Well, first she ran a really perfect 38 off the dock. That, I mean, yeah, textbook. Was it was ridiculous. I was like, oh man, this is over. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get to see her 38 because I was like swimming and climbing through trees and shit. <laughs> well, it was really nice. Yeah, I watched the webcast and it was a beautiful 38. And so then, but out of one at 39, it was like, look out. <laughs> Because I, I was watching on my phone, so I expected a beautiful one, stand up at two, go yeah. home, and win. Wave, wave the crowd, be done. But I had a one tip up, almost skied over the rope, <laughs> way late. And it's like, oh, I'm like on the edge of my seat. Well, I'm running down the street, <laughs> but you know what I mean. So I'm hanging off my tree, and I'm, from my vantage point, where she fell at two ball, from where I was, it looked like a half. I just knew she fell at two ball. And I had trees in my way, so I was like, I literally turned around, I was like, fuck! And the golf cart was right there. And I was like, I need you to get me back down there right now. And they were like, okay. And they're like, why? And I was like, we just tied. I was like, from what I could see through the trees, it looked like she blew up at two ball like I did, which means it's one and a half, which like, we gotta go. We gotta go now. I gotta, you know, reset my mind. I gotta run 38 off the dock again, like shit. So they're taking me down to the golf cart and I'm just in my head like, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> And you meet me on the golf cart. Yeah. He runs down the street and he gets on the back of the golf cart with me. Okay, so I get back on the... I, I had seen the video of her live view. I haven't seen the replay yet. And I was like, that was close. You know, in my head, I was like, I don't want to get my hopes up, but that was pretty dang close. It looked like maybe a quarter. So I get in the back of the golf cart and I was like, Elizabeth, I think she got a quarter. And you were like, no way, like, no, that was a half, no problem. We look at the replay, and I'm like, I... I'm like, they're not going to give Regina Jaguars a quarter. They're not like going to give her a quarter. Like, it looks like Regina. a quarter to me. That looks like a quarter. And then your number one, Elizabeth Montemont, popped up, and Tony announced that you had won because they scored her a quarter. And we were in the golf cart, and I was like, you just won! <laughs> it was, we're on this, we're on the road between warehouses on a golf cart, and she's like, you won! And I'm like, no way! No way. And like, I just couldn't believe it. Like I wanted to get back to the dock and I kind of like went up to like, you know, George, I'm like, we won. And he's like, you won. And he, you know, he was tearing up a little bit. And I'm like, I need to hear like an adjust. I need to hear an official say it. Like I need to know this is real. And, um, yeah, I mean, I just couldn't believe it because in a weird way, I wasn't going into it like to win. I was going into it to do like execute the best that I could against somebody like her. Well, that's what it takes to be a champion. I mean, you're enveloped in the process. All you care about second to second is how can I be the most efficient athlete I can be and how can I continue to ride the process to greatness. Not greatness versus everybody else. Your greatest self is what you're constantly pursuing. Mm -hmm. Day to day, second to second, week after week, of off-season training, of everything you do in the gym, even your focus in your mental attitude day to day. I mean, we're sitting here at our desks, and I think, I, I won't speak for you, but I'm thinking about if I let this thing that's happening in this second affect me negatively mentally, that's going to affect my skiing. Mm -hmm. So this I mean, is just, yeah. this is a buildup of every single day, every single second of every moment, you focusing your energy towards this process of achieving your greatest self, including on the water. And that's why you've been able to do what you've been able to do. And that's why you won. It's because you weren't looking like, I'm going to go win versus these other girls, right? I mean, yeah, there was so many little 
so much of it was things Chet has said, things Andy Mapple's been quoted as saying, things Stevie has said to me, things my parents have said to me. I mean, buoy by buoy, there was like different, there was a piece of advice going through my head every second of the whole runoff situation. And so people are like, what was it like? It's like, to be honest with you, I didn't really live it. Like I was not aware of what was going on because I was like, you have to get into fight mode and like you have to go until somebody dies. <laughs> until it's over, you know, and you're gonna do the best with what you got. That's what my grandpa always used to say. You're gonna do the best with what you got. And um, you know, he really did. We were out the other night with your parents and my parents and they were talking about how when he had he had cancer, he'd go get chemo and then he'd go ski. Cause he could, he's like, you're not gonna stop me. Like, you know, and that's just doing the best of what you've got. Um, and that's what I did. So in a weird way, I feel like I didn't get to savor it as much because it never really clicked for me what was happening as it was happening. I was just doing the best to be present and execute on my skills that I possibly could. I mean, it was literally just cue by cue. And that's what, why coaches coach to staying in the moment. That's what they're trying to achieve, that in that moment executing on your skills and what you've learned even though all eyes are on you and you've got all the weight of the world pressure wise on your shoulders you're still going to do what you do in practice which is focus in on what you need to be doing in that exact moment and it's just you know it's an example of your hard work and that's awesome thank you and you did you did great and i'm very proud of you thank you mm. You know, I've said it many times, but congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. And, you know, our community has been very supportive of you and, and saying congratulations to you. And everyone seems to be uh, very happy. Yeah, I mean, everybody's been so awesome. I mean, it's really cool. Like, you know, you get texts, you know, that come through or, or you know, people pull you aside. Like a lot of the open guys, you know, you know, because it's like it's your first win and they, you know, they remember their first win. And so I got a lot of cool text messages and a lot of cool words of wisdom from those guys. And those are things like I'll never share with, you know, anybody um, publicly just because it's special to me. Um, and, you know, I think there's a, a weird um, kind of confidentiality is not the right word, but those are just special moments. You know what I mean? And um, that was cool. That was really cool because you know, it's it's one of those things where I'm, I'm trying to enjoy it as it happens because there's only the first win once and you only beat Regina the first time once and she's going to train all off season to absolutely annihilate me the next time we ski against each other and I love that as she should, you know. Um, I, so speaking on that, what are you going to be doing going forward? I mean, how are you going to ride this momentum into the next season into a... The LCQs that aren't LCQs, you know, the Masters Qualifier Tournaments and the uh, Swiss Pro. Yeah, we should talk a little bit about our off-season strategy, just like a brief overview. We, um, we joined a new gym mm -hmm. um, called Cro uh, CrossFit 1401. Um, it's just closer to our house. The commute is just um, much more enjoyable. We were spending, to ski in the mornings, we spend about an hour on the road in total, round trip. And then we were doing the exact same drive in the evenings for the gym. And we're just, you know, trying to cut down on time in the car in traffic. Um, and so we found a, a box closer to our house. Um, and it's a really pretty drive. And it's near something called Grandview Market, which is kind of like an open concept food court thing, um, which is really food hall, which is really pretty. And it's closer to West Palm. And we just feel like we're more in our community. Um, and we've been really happy with it. Um, the owner, Becca, was, you know, really inviting. And their open gym space is incredible. Half the gym is dedicated to people like us. And it has all the equipment. So we're not in the way of the, the people doing the classes. Um, but anyway, yeah. So that's, that's something new that we've just recently done is we switched gyms. We're going to miss our old gym. It just was really a, a location logistics problem for us. But... Um, you know, speaking, I'll, I'll go first. Um, I'm focusing a lot on upper body this off season. So I'm gonna lift some heavier stuff, but I'm actually gonna go lighter on the lower body. Um, I just wanna move my center of gravity a little bit higher personally. 
Um, you know, as a woman, we tend to carry more of our weight in our lower half and, you know, we're shorter on average. So my center of gravity is pretty low and that's not a problem, but I would just like to have a little more power in my upper body and working shoulders has never really been my favorite. So I'm going to do it. <laughs> um, so like light, a little lighter on the deadlifts and squats and all that, but I'm going to go heavier on, um, push presses and clean and jerks and all that. And, um, you know, train my cardio and, and, and train things I don't like. I don't like training a lot of upper body, so I'm going to train it, and we're going to ski a ton, of course. Um, and I would say, yeah, that's that's kind of what we've already immediately changed for the off-season, and I'm eating pretty strictly right now um, just to get super lean right now um, and with holiday eating. I want to enjoy my holidays, so if I'm, like, a little strict now and strict after the holidays, I, I'll feel fine. Um, but you're doing something pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, I won't get into the nitty-gritty of it, but essentially I'm just going to be lifting a little heavier. Uh, my back is healed, so I feel great with that. I've been doing all the PT and all that, so I'm going to be able to lift heavier. I'm doing the qu quite the opposite of you. Mm -hmm. I'm actually working on gaining some uh, uh, poundage <laughs> in my lower half and some, uh, some more muscle mass there to lower my center of gravity. I'm a little top-heavy right now. And, you know, just get a little little bulkier mm -hmm. for the winter season. I'm sure that when summer comes around, I'm going to have to get more lean, but I'll be eating a lot more and I'll be lifting a lot heavier. So that'll be fun. It's going to be a lot, big contrast from the summer when I, I wasn't lifting as heavy, especially when I had my back episodes mm -hmm. and I was eating pretty light, you know, to stay thin for this, for this long season. Um, but now I can do some, uh, I can feel more of like a little bit of a CrossFit little meathead. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm kind of psyched for that a little bit. It's a good change of pace. You yeah. know what I mean? It's, it's, um, you can't keep doing the same thing all year round. You will get bored and you will get burned out. Um, but I don't think like quitting skiing for a month or two is really like in our wheelhouse personally. That's not something we would, we, we like skiing. We'd like to ski. We just need to change it. So yeah, I'm looking for high reps in terms of skiing and I'm looking for high reps in the gym. Um, what would the dogs do if we quit skiing? The dogs? Yeah. They would be so pissed because they wouldn't be able to see their lake friends. Oh my God. I know. Well, you know, Rosie is, um, the chief, um, what would you call her? She runs the docking at Okahili. The docking, you're gonna dock, dock manager. Yeah, if you're going to dock your boat, she's going to come lick you. So, um, and Ollie knows all my numbers. He keeps all my secrets. Oh, my God. <laughs> he sits in the boat for all our sets. He knows everything. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, we, we've already begun our change of pace in terms of, like, how we're training and stuff like that. And it's just, it's refreshing. We get to experiment now. Um, and if it blows up, and we miss a bunch of passes, like it doesn't matter as long as it's like, you know, in pursuit of learning. Um, but if you're changing stuff on the, on the water, you're going to miss passes. So yeah, you get always. disheartened by that when you're, when you're changing, cause it's going to change your rhythm and then you might have to tune your ski. So your new technique that's going to better you in the future, mm -hmm. you're going to miss passes. So a little tidbit there. <laughs> But um, I've got a couple new partnerships coming up that I get to announce on my social soon. Super excited about that. Um, and Ski or Die? We, yes. Oh my God, thank you. How did I forget? It's been a lot. Um, we launched some new t-shirts. So you guys should check them out. We kind of tailored the collection, eliminated a lot. Um, we've got it to three kind of core shirts. We want to spend this year uh, designing less and recording more. Yes. So those are kind of our shirts now. Take it or leave it. More podcasts to come. More podcasts. But we like the new designs. They're really pretty. Yeah, they're awesome. I'm super yeah. excited to get the samples in the mail. Yeah. They should be coming soon. But yes, skeerdye.shop to check that out. Um, oh, and the women's shirts are actually a new type of shirt. So, sorry, this is like this episode long. But, um, so our men's shirts are, are the same men's shirts we've been selling. We get a ton of positive feedback on those. I love them. Um, didn't really get a lot of negative feedback about the women's. I just personally um, wanted to change the composition of the fabric. So they are now 100% organic cotton. They're going to breathe even better. Um, and it's a more sustainable option. So super excited about that. We've got some fresh colorways in men's and women's. I mean, I'm always going to love my black t-shirts personally, but I know some of you, you out there might dabble in the colors. So I wanted to accommodate you as well. And I learned some new illustrator skills in designing those graphics. So that's always fun as a complete, what's below amateur graphic designer? What's like terrible? That's what I am. Like TikTok 
designer? Like novice. You broke out a novice, babe. I don't know if I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give myself that credit. We like oh, them, given my well. terrible skill set. <laughs> no, you, you design super cool shirts. Thank you. I'm lucky to have you designing them. I just like if, seeing you wear them. If it's it were so up cool. to me, it'd be so, so bad. <laughs> I don't even want to think about it. I'm not much of a physical artist, I'm more of a musical artist. You, you do the audios. The audio you waves. You live in the audio waves. Yeah. Oh God, this is out of control. Anyways. All right. So anyway, I just want to say a big thank you to everybody who was so supportive of, um, Miami Pro, and you've been supportive of, you know, the past four years. I had a lot of people when I got started tell me I was never going to beat Regina verbatim. You will never beat Regina. You had someone say that in between your final round and your runoff round. Yeah, somebody <laughs> told me Regina was going to beat me because I wasn't good enough to beat her yet. Um, and I hate to pin it all on Regina. She just is the best. She is a standard, you know, just, and um, I've always had a lot of respect for her athleticism and her skill and her ability to execute and so this was a cool experience for me and you know I hope it's a sign of things to come but I do love the journey and I love the process but you know being thrown this bone <laughs> you know finally getting a reward is um, does feel pretty good too and yeah I'm excited to work hard this off season. Hard work pays off eh? It does hard work always wins. All right, thank you, Elizabeth. Thanks, Stevie. All right, guys, episode's over. Please leave a review and subscribe up on Apple. It would mean so much to me. And if you want to be the first to know about all things Ski or Die, shoot me a text at 561-468-3603, and we'll get you added to the community.